Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today I'm talking to Alison Faria. So Alison is a therapist specialising in eating disorders and anxiety over in the US, but she also owns a practice building community called the Abundance Party. And as you can tell from the name of her community, Alison does not create generic, boring content to promote her practice building business or her therapy services. She's a master at being authentic and frankly interesting online. And I'm really pleased that she's here to talk to us today about how you can use video in an exciting way to stand out on social media. Welcome to the podcast, Alison. Thanks so much for having me. That was like the nicest intro anybody's ever given of me. Thank you. Well, I really want people to go and follow you, to be honest, because your video presence really inspires me. And even on your landing page for the Abundance Party, you've got a really cool video there too. So I think there's a lot that my people um, can learn. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited to introduce them to you. So why well, don't we start with you telling us a bit about what you do and why you do it? Yeah, absolutely. So there's this parallel process with my work as an eating disorder therapist, to be honest with you. When I first, I was in college, I'd had an eating disorder for, I don't know, eight years, like since early adolescence. And when I went through recovery, I was like, oh, this is available. Like being at peace and not being stressed out about it and like enjoying my actual life is available to me, I didn't realize. And then I was like a recovery proselytizer, right? I was like, everybody needs recovery. Did you know life is so good over here? Um, and so I was already in school to become a therapist um, at that point. And so that's when I, I went through the process, became an eating disorder therapist. Well, fast forward several years and I had the same exact experience going into private practice, this sense of like, oh, whoa, you mean I can actually afford to go on vacations and take yoga classes and see fewer people and work with people who want to be there that I do great work with? That's available to me? And so then I became like a non-paid private practice proselytizer and I kind of like gently bullied my friends into private practice and helped them build and then fast forward and I was realizing like there are so many amazing therapists, many of whom will leave the profession at some point because they're burned out because they're working in places that don't value them. And that's made apparent in so many different ways. And I don't want that to happen because we need more therapists in the world, not fewer. So, because I think private practice is just the best thing in the world, I want everybody who wants access to private practice to access it. So that's how Abundance Practice Building was born. And it's been an awesome ride for the last several years. I love that story and I, I relate to it as well because I think definitely my passion for doing anything on social media because I'm not an extrovert at all you can probably tell mm -hmm. quite shy a bit of an introvert mm -hmm. but the reason I bother putting any of that stuff out there and have done is because I know firsthand how difficult it was to access mental health services mm -hmm. I know how scary it was and I know that I couldn't see anybody that I could relate to um, so I didn't realize that it was available to me to see somebody who might be nice and friendly. I just had no mm -hmm. concept of any of that. 
so that's very much where my interest in social media started and similar to you the reason I've started helping other psychologists and therapists is because kind of going through that hellish burnout at the, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the beginning of my practice and coming out the other side and finding something better it's just transformative isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. so powerful yeah. so then thinking about video why mm-hmm. would psychologists and therapists bother making video for social media? Yeah. So I want to say first, you don't have to, um, like, I want to give anybody who's listening, whose stomach is churning, just thinking about it, permission to like, maybe keep listening just for fun, maybe to give a friend a tip or something, but like no pressure if this is not a good fit for you. But the reason I want you to vet the reasons that it's not a good fit for you. And we'll talk about that some, um, but the reasons to include video is like, we get to know people so much better. It's similar to podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. We both have podcasts. People probably tell you all the time. I feel like I know you because they've Mm -hmm. listened to so many podcasts of yours. Um, And so it just takes that up a whole other level because not only do they hear your voice, they see your face, they see your expressions and mannerisms. Um, I mean, we all get connected to TV characters sometimes. And so it kind of allows us to get known on a deeper level by our potential clients. Um, but it's a way that you can kind of control it such that you're the one creating the content. So you and I spoke on my podcast about, um, self-disclosure in your marketing. And so since you're coming at that from the very mindful way that Rosie talks about, um, your videos can be connecting, but also to have enough distance that it's not like you're a reality TV star or some mess like that. So That's, I would say that's the primary reason is it gives our potential clients the opportunity to get to know us better, to see if we're a fit or not. Um, Social media also prefers video. They're going to show your stuff to more people if it's a reel or an IGTV or a video that you've posted. So not only does it broaden your potential client base, it also helps them opt in or opt out of whether they want to continue to get to know you. Mm, I love that because I think one thing we can be really frightened of at the beginning in our practices is alienating some people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fact is when you get out on video, you do show your personality and not mm-hmm. everyone is going to want you as a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's so good. Yeah. Like that's a great thing because we will all refer out more people than we could ever see over the course of our private practices. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that the people calling us are truly good fits Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I think you've got to feel okay with the fact that some people will walk away and that's brilliant because Mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't have been able to help them because you'd annoy them. Right, (laughs) right. You're not going to transform into some other person. You're going to be you. And if they don't like you, then therapy with you would not go well for them, probably. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a really good point. So you mentioned kind of vetting the reasons why you think video is not a good fit for you. Can you talk a bit more on that? Yeah. So I think that a lot of people will be like, "Mm, not doing video after they try once or twice or even five times. Um, Because the truth of the matter is none of us are great at video at first. Um, 
I actually created some videos. I was doing a launch for my practice building business years ago and I created videos for the first time. I like my dad is a amateur photographer as so I like borrowed all his lighting and I set things up and I was like in full, like full makeup for me is not actually a lot of makeup, but for me, full makeup, I had like carefully selected shirts. I was like ready to go. And I showed up on video as you guys can probably hear I'm a very animated, energetic person. I showed up on video like, hello, my name is Allison Pereer from Abundance Practice Building. Like I wasn't breathing. I was like clearly nervous. There's something about that like camera going on and my personality shrank. Mm -hmm. And I was just this like cardboard cutout of myself. Um, and I had this mastermind group that I love. And um, one of my buddies who was always so brutally honest, I, they were like, oh, show us, show us a clip of the videos. You're always so hard on yourself. Like, just show us. I'm sure it's fine. And I showed like 30 seconds. And she's like, you can't use that. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> it was, um, I appreciated her honesty, but I mean, I had practiced those videos. Like it was like three videos and it spent, I spent all day trying to get them less awful and I never got there, mm -hmm. but I, the launch plan I had required videos so what I ended up doing is sending out emails to some of my friends and colleagues in town. And I said, Hey, this was obviously way pre-pandemic, but I was like, Hey, um, I'm teaching these things. I need some people to talk to because apparently I can't just talk to my camera. So would you just come and sit in my office and let me teach you some things about practice building? And these were people who were like on the wait list for my group and some people who'd been in my group. And so it was it was an audience that cared about what I had to say. And when they were sitting there in my cramped little office with like six people, I was able to actually show up on video in a way that I definitely couldn't have, even if I'd tried for another week with just me and my camera, I kind of had to like break the ice for myself and prove to myself I could do video. That is an amazing tip. Cause I think a lot of people find it a lot easier talking to a real person than they do yeah. just to their webcam. Um, yeah. And when I think about the best videos that I've done, it has been interview style, talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. You get into what you're passionate about then. Absolutely. Just being in your head, thinking like, oh, what are my teeth looking like? Maybe it's always teeth. But. Right. <laughs> teeth. Interesting. Because that's not anything I would have noticed about you. And that's, I mean, we can kind of go into some of the common mistakes because you just opened the door to one of the big one, ones. It's just that we're so hard on ourselves and we are not maybe now we're more used to looking at ourselves on video because of all the telehealth we've been doing, mm. but we're not accustomed to seeing the way we move. Like I never realized, I kind of talk a little bit out, out of the side of my mouth, not figuratively, but literally I talk out of the side of my mouth. It's not right in the middle. And I didn't know that until I started doing videos. Mm. And at first I was like, Oh God, that's so, I need to correct that. But I couldn't correct that and concentrate on what I was saying at the same time. And so a lot of us get hung up on what we look like on camera. Um, I'm an eating disorder therapist. Like I talk all the time about being neutral about our appearance. But initially I was like, oh my God, I never realized I was so ugly when I talk. And now I'm like, whatever. Like I have never in my life looked like a supermodel. And it's not going to just magically happen when I'm talking about practice building content or things that my therapy clients need to hear. That's all right. Um, and once I was able to let go of that judgment, I was also able to 
be more of myself on camera. Cause I wasn't like, keep your chin in the middle. And like, you know, <laughs> think about where your nose is when you talk. I just, I was able to be present to the content that my people actually care about because y'all, they don't care what you look like. They really don't. As long as like, you're not on the extreme. Sometimes I get distracted if somebody has like 533 eyelashes, like those really big bushy fake eyelashes. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what you're saying. Cause I'm just like mesmerized by when you blink, what happens. Um, but if your ideal client also has mesmerizing eyelashes, then by all means, like have them be you, if that's you. But for me, um, I couldn't be present if I was thinking about the way I looked. Um, I also couldn't be present if I was judging myself as I was doing it. If I was like, oh, I just tripped over my words. What an idiot. I sound like a fool. Obviously the rest of that video is going to go downhill. But the truth of the matter is our clients don't need us to be perfect orators. They need us to talk about the things they care about. And if we stumble over words, that doesn't take away from the fact that we know what we're talking about. Mm. Um, so much of this is like getting out of our own way, right? Um, I'd say another big mistake I see is um, either not preparing enough or over-preparing. Um, so for a while, and I, I would invite everybody to play with this. For a while, I would just do bullet points. As I've probably already done in this podcast, I say like and um and er, and I have my filler words. And I've gotten over the fact that I'm going to use filler words on podcasts and videos because I'm a human being and that's what happens. Um, and see, there we go. Um, uh, if people are going to judge me for that, then maybe we're not a great fit anyway. So I would have bullet points and there would be a lot of ums and likes and things like that because I would just shoot from the hip from my bullet points. Then once my, a lot of my videos are sponsored. So I felt like, well, I should bring a new level of professionalism um, since I'm getting paid for these videos at this point. Well, then I started scripting them and I had to really pay attention to my voice because sometimes when I'm reading a script, um, it's really obvious. <laughs> I'm like, welcome to Abundance Practice Building. I'm Allison Pereer. That's not me. That's me being a cardboard cutout again. So I have to like bring some energy to it. Um, yeah, I think that's really hard actually, because I usually recommend to people starting out and they hate me when I say it, but I usually recommend doing your videos live uh -huh. because of that, because otherwise you're going to go back and edit out all the ums and the ahs. And mm -hmm. those are the things that make it possible for somebody to listen to you. Can right. you imagine, and I have done actually, listening to a podcast where somebody has edited out every um and every ah. It just is relentless. Mm -hmm. It's not, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like a human being and you can't right. connect with that person. Right. So I'm a big believer that a few ums and ahs are not a bad thing because it makes you feel like you're actually talking to somebody. But people tend to be really frightened of going live, don't they? Mm -hmm. and, and sort of resist that a little bit. But I think it's the easiest way to sort of get over yourself a little bit. Yeah, it's jumping in with both feet. Mm. And, and most of the time too, when we go live, it's not like we have thousands of people watching us in that moment, <laughs> right, you know, like, so, you're lucky if it's your first one. <laughs> right. Right. So it's kind of a nice, um, low barrier to entry. Cause you don't have to worry about too much tech. Like you just click the button. Um, and it allows you to, to try it out. And y'all, if you fall on your face, you can delete it. And maybe the three people that saw it before you deleted it, 
we'll be like, oh, she stumbled a little bit, but they're not going to be like, what an idiot. You know, <laughs> they're not going to be mean about it most of the time. Especially because, because you can trim lives. I tend to just own it. If I'm having mm-hmm. a day where I'm feeling not brilliant or really knackered um, because my kids are young so sometimes I'll Mm -hmm. be going live and I'll be saying to my community like I have had no sleep (laughs) Uh if I stumble extra it's because of that Um, and you can always cut those bits out if you want to use the video later but Mm -hmm. I've found people are very very forgiving of that kind of thing especially you're sharing free good quality content with people they're not if they're picking at that then really that's about them probably not about you Mm -hmm. Right. And you're sharing it with people who are looking for what you're saying anyway. Mm. Like these are folks who are struggling with the things that you have expertise in. And that's a cool, powerful thing that like they can still opt in or opt out of getting in touch with you or following you or whatever. But the ones that really feel connected to you are going to be diehard fans. So yeah, I think one other thing that I see as a mistake in, in videos, and this, this is separate from some tips that I'll give, but people often feel like they need to be very fancy. They need to have all the nice equipment, all the tech set up, all of it, um, before they can start to tackle it, which I love like that. You're like, just go live, <laughs> just do it. Uh, because I don't know how to edit video. Honestly, like I've been doing videos for years. If I really fall on my face, like if I'm doing something for a course or even one of my Ask Allison's, which I do a few of a week, if I like cannot get words out of my mouth, I'll just delete it and start over. But most of the time, it's just going to be a little bit messy and that's okay. So I don't know how to edit video. I haven't done it. I've been real successful with video. So that's great. Um, so I think that sometimes when we're like, well, I need to figure out how to use iMovie first, or I need to get a really high quality um, camera for my laptop. These are just things you're putting in the way because you're afraid of starting. So, I mean, I've got my, my computer, it's camera, Zoom, and it's sitting on a box and that's my setup. It is nothing fancy at all. Yeah, mine too. I I really agree with that. I think the worst mistake I ever made, actually, and this speaks a bit to your point about scripting, was um, the first online course I made, I scripted it and I had an auto cue. And I Mm -hmm. spent like a week trying to set up the auto cue and the lighting and all of that stuff. That course did not sell. I didn't sell Mm -hmm. any. (laughs) And that is probably because in the videos now, I can't watch them because it's so robotic and mm-hmm. it is just, I mean, it's worse than a newsreader. It's like a really bad newsreader. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think often those things that we think are really important, they actually don't, they don't improve the user experience. They don't improve right. what it's like for the person watching it. They're just kind of stuff in our heads that feel important. Right. Right. Which is probably like thematic throughout our lives everywhere. Right. Um, And so to just be aware that this is, this is one of those things you may shove in between you and actually doing video Uh, and to, to remember that we said, nah, you don't need it. You don't need anything that you think you need in terms of the fanciness. Mm. Yeah. So what do you need then? Like what does a good video need to have? A good video needs to have great content period. Mm. That's it. Um, I don't care if it's your face or not. Like you probably need something dynamic to look at for a video. And I would prefer it to be your face because that's how people get to know you. But if you have great content, 
and and I should kind of qualify what great content means. Great content for my clients is going to be different from great content for someone else's clients. It's something your clients actually care about. The reason most people uh, like therapists on Instagram don't get clients from Instagram is because their content is like, it sucks. <laughs> it's not specific to the kinds of things that their ideal clients are looking for. So if you are really specific about what you're talking about and you have an opinion in your videos and you're actually giving some information that will help people, then you're golden. It doesn't matter if you have some of your breakfast in the corner of your mouth, you know, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, to come at everything, not like I've got to get a video out because I said I would, but like what's going to serve the people I want to serve? Hmm. I think that is often the really difficult bit. I think actually a lot of problems that we have with marketing, social media in general, is that we haven't taken the time to get to the heart of what the people we're trying to serve care about. Right. Um, and we might produce something which we sort of know that they need, but they don't know they need yet. I think that's a mistake I see a lot. Yes. Like people go into a therapy model that we know is really helpful for them. Mm -hmm. But if they're not thinking like, oh, I need to find out about compassion-focused therapy, um, right. then they're not going to click that video. They're not going to watch it. Right. Yeah. And we see that too with niches. For instance, like not everybody who has trauma recognizes that trauma is the thing that's causing the problem right? Yeah. So if you're a trauma therapist, but your ideal clients typically come in with generalized anxiety, um, then like if you're marketing to trauma, your people aren't going to find you because what they're going to respond to is like getting nervous talking to their boss or um, being afraid to go out to that uh, friend's birthday party at a time when we're not in a pandemic. Like, you know, it's those kinds of things that are going to draw them in. Yes, absolutely. I think that's so important. It's thinking about the real life situations mm -hmm. that they're struggling with, rather than the kind of psychological formulation that we might have of it, which they might right. not be at yet. Meeting them right. where they're at, basically. Mm -hmm. And there's still like a certain level of the way that we're thinking about things that we never need to use as marketing because it's just like not interesting to our ideal clients. Unless you're working with academics or intellectuals who are or want to be therapists or psychologists, some of the way we conceptualize is totally boring to our <laughs> clients. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just recognizing this is going to be boring. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I yeah. think that's really important because I definitely talk to, I don't know whether this is a British thing or whether this happens across the pond as well, but definitely lots of UK psychologists and therapists think that there is content they should be making like they've almost got a duty to do like a mini series all about act therapy or cft mm -hmm. or something like that and i'm like actually that's not what people want that doesn't make sense is that something yeah. that you guys think about as well yeah i mean i think it comes from school right like we get so programmed to think about it as this i mean it's it's clinician focused when we do that. And we need to be client focused to bring our folks in and to be able to treat them well. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get out of this idea of like, well, a very serious and intellectual therapist is going to define like the broader points and the more specific points of DBT. Um, nobody cares. Our clients, do y'all have the expression? Um, we don't care how the sausage gets made. No. Um, <laughs> it's basically like, 
Yeah. Like it, it's better off if we don't know, maybe. <laughs> and for a lot of our clients, like they don't care how the sausage gets made. They just want to feel better. And so if we're helping them feel better by giving them content that they care about and that helps them see themselves and helps give them hope or a tool, then I mean, that's great marketing. And I really enjoy that analogy. <laughs> I'm going to be using that. I'll be the only British person using it, but I'm awesome. going to. It'll spread like wildfire. It'll be good. (laughs) So, you know, we've talked a bit about, you know, where people often go wrong, but what are the top tips for making a video interesting to look at, I guess? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say, and, and we were kind of laughing about this before we started, the clients that I've worked with who are in the UK say to me, I wasn't entirely sure about you because you were so like American energetic. Um, and so I recognize I am just a very energetic person. And when I'm in videos, I have to amp up my energy to not be flat. Mm. And so when I think of them typically more reserved, uh, UK therapists that I've worked with, if they get in front of a camera, if my energy looks boring, um, theirs is going to look boring too. Now, I'm not saying you have to act like a clown. I'm not saying you have to act like me, but what I want you to do is dial up your energy 20%. Um, For me, that means, I mean, I'm kind of accustomed to it now because I'm on video so much, but as soon as that green light goes on, I'm like, woohoo, it's a party. Like, I'm excited to be sharing what I'm sharing. Um, And I think that's a piece of it. Your version of excitement is probably what your video needs for normal. So bring your excited self to it. Um, that's going to feel unnatural at first. It might feel um, fake. Play with it because that's another really important part. Everybody is going to suck at this at first and that is okay. If you create videos and you expect it to be any good, um, that's like me hopping on a piano right now and expecting to play a song well. I can play some scales. You can speak, right? Like we've got the basics, but there's some practicing that needs to happen in order for me to get good at at piano in order for you to get good at video so and I think people need to see those attempts as well like yes Mm -hmm. I've definitely got friends who like practice video but they practice it without showing anybody Mm -hmm. and I don't think I realized that I looked flat on video until somebody told me so Mm. Um, someone who knew me and knows I'm not flat because, you know, I am a more reserved kind of a person. You know, there are lots of people who listen to this who, you know, know me uh-huh. <laughs> and, and they know that. Um, however, you know, I'm not, I'm very passionate about what I do and that wasn't coming over. Um, but I couldn't tell. Somebody had to tell me. So I think you kind of do have to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And if it feels like, if that step feels like I'm just not going to do it then, then here's what I'm going to recommend. Get out your phone do a one to two minute video talking about whatever, make yourself watch it, put it away. Just do it every day until you're like, okay, so like I've got a little softness under my chin and I've got these things I don't like about the way I look. And maybe my voice is not something I would choose to listen to on any given day. And you know what? I still have really important things to say. And my client's don't care about that a bit. They don't care about any of the things that I'm insecure about and they probably won't even notice. Yeah, so such a good point. Such a good point. Because um, <laughs> I had a job once where we were videoed the whole time. So oh. uh, yeah, I was working in a prison and there were um, cameras in the corner of every room. 
Uh-huh. So every therapeutic intervention you did was videoed from start to finish and it was your whole body was in the video and your uh-huh. supervisor would watch back whole sessions and pull them apart. Wow. And yeah. And so <laughs> although, although I've got many hangups, I did that forced me to get over the body hangups bit mm. because I was forced yeah. to look at my whole body on uh-huh. video like on a weekly basis for years. <laughs> wow. And um, so that's one hang up that I, I kind of just got rid of with exposure. Right. Um, and I mean, exposure is the name of this game too. I mean, we have to, that's what that practice ultimately is. You know how to speak, you know how to make great points, but doing it with that stupid green light on <laughs> for some reason scares us. Mm. So yeah, I'm just thinking about what amazing training that would be. Sorry. That's an aside, but it's both amazing and painful at the same time. Of course. I mean, isn't most (laughs) training that's great. (laughs) painful? Yeah. Yeah, But I think coming out the other side of it, it's definitely helped me with video because I would be the person who would be like, ah, I hate my teeth. I hate my hair. I hate my body. I don't want to, I don't want to be on video. That would definitely have been me 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that experience kind of pushed me through that bit. But left me yeah. still with all the intellectual hangups, all the imposter uh-huh. syndrome. You know, the inner critic yeah. still hates me being on video and being visible <laughs> for lots of reasons. Right. Well, and that's a really important point is like, don't expect that to go away. Mm-hmm. Like, I still talk out of the side of my mouth and I don't love that. I care about it less, but my inner critic will still be like, well, Allison, I can't believe anybody's watching this. Um, but then I just keep coming back to, they're not watching it because of the way I look. They're watching it because I'm telling them something that's helpful, um, period, the end. And another thing you can do if you're really getting caught up on like during the videoing of everything is to just block your view of your face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually will, I for my Ask Allison's, I've got my script essentially written out. I'm just looking at my script. I have no idea what my face looks like and I don't watch them afterwards because I don't have time to do all that. So I just get to get over it. And if I have a booger hanging out of my nose or I, my hair is crazy and I didn't realize it. Okay. Well, I guess thousands of people are going to see that booger. <laughs> um, but if they notice it, they'll be like, she has a booger, but I like that point she just made, you know? Mm. and what a powerful message like from a feminist perspective as well like not to not to go too much down that track let's do it (laughs) yeah like it's Uh about what we're saying it's not about what we look like we're not there for decoration that's not Mm. why you're showing up online right Um, right and and if it was then you would care like if if you were modeling something or or whatever that would be but you're not you're there to share what's in your mind what you know Mm -hmm. and yeah I just think that's really important point to make Yeah, absolutely. I think too, another tip for people who have, maybe they want to have a weekly vlog or something like that. Something that I do, I batch everything. Um, And so I do like three of my Ask Allison's every week. And right now we've got them created into February and we're December 2nd right now if we're recording this. Um, And like, I just line up a bunch of shirts. So it looks like a different day. (laughs) change shirts in between each video. And that gives me like a little reset before I talk about the next thing, but talk about exposure therapy, like spending a couple hours doing videos back to back to back also makes you a lot less perfectionistic. So I'm like, whenever I stumbled on that, nobody cares. Keep moving. Um, whereas before I was batching, I would get a little, when I was doing like one a day, essentially three days a week, 
I would be like, mm, that could have been better. I'll just record it. But again, like if the content is the same and what could have been better is my, my tone could have been a little more cheerful or my face could have been brighter or maybe my lipstick was smudged. Who cares? Nobody cares. I really love that. That is a goal for me for 2021. I'm, I do a little bit of batching, but not to that level. And I want to get there. Like that is really great advice, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. It's also partially born of an anxiety disorder, but <laughs> I'm like, well, if I get hit by a bus, there is some time to heal before I'm on the hook for some more of those. <laughs> but life does happen. I mean, it oh does. My gosh, what have we learned this year? Right. Like we've right. all had times where we couldn't put out our content regularly. So having mm -hmm. that in the can that you can then pull out when you need it, I think that's really important. And yeah. a lot of what I'm talking about with my community at the moment is how do we reduce the overwhelm going into 2021? Mm -hmm. And batching, I think, is a really great way of, of doing that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and having that, having them in the can also takes the pressure off if, like, let's say you have, you're wanting to do one a week and you have four saved up and you want to write new ones every week. You've got some some wiggle room, you know. If if you get sick, you've got wiggle room, and you can still put your content out. And also, if you didn't put content out, the world wouldn't fall apart. That's fine too. But if you're wanting to stay super consistent, you've you've got backup for that. Mm. And I think that space allows your mind to be creative as well. Mm -hmm. I cannot, if I know I have to create a video, I actually just can't do it. Huh. I can only right. really create good video when I know. I could do it now or I could do it tomorrow. It, I've got that space. Right. And then the inspiration will come. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know that some people think they work really well under pressure. Um, but I think there's, if, if that's the way you're going, there's just a toll, just that constant stress. There's a toll of that. Mm. And neuroscience does suggest that it would be difficult to do your best mm -hmm. intellectual work <laughs> right? Um, under pressure, doesn't it? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So um, I've taken up loads of your time, um, but just, just quickly, kind of before we go, a lot of people have been saying to me lately that their reach has gone down for their mm -hmm. videos, that not as many people are seeing them, particularly mm -hmm. Facebook group videos. Have you mm -hmm. very quickly, because I know I've taken up loads of your time, um, got any tips for improving reach if that does start to happen? I think if you're, so something we were doing was posting a video on my page and then sharing it to my group. And that reach for that is down mm. versus us just sharing it into our group and in, in inspiring engagement in both the caption and in the video itself, because then it keeps getting bumped up to the top of the group. So more people see it. So if you're saying like, um, totally. If you disagree, tell me, I would love to have a conversation about it in the comments or, um, I'm trying to think I did like 12 videos yesterday. I'm trying to think of anything I talked about and how I would encourage engagement, but maybe, I mean, like taking this for instance, right? Like if this was a video that we were putting in a group, we could say, what are your top tips that I missed? Um, what is, what is the thing you always look at when you get on camera? Like, Rosie looks at her teeth. I look at like my sideways mouth. <laughs> what do you look at? And that's something where people be like, oh my gosh, my forehead or my ears or whatever. And like, we all get to be in the soup together um, and be like, oh, look, our community feels the same way, but it's also fun to kind of own up to like, yes, I do that too. And here's my thing. So something that your people will actually want to comment with 
inspiring some of that. Yeah, I really like that. It's a really great example of finding like a lighthearted, easy thing for people to engage over. Because I think, <laughs> again, a mistake that I've made and I see lots of people making is they ask some big question um, when they post their video in the caption. It's like, you know, tell me your darkest secrets about this topic. Right. Like, no one wants to do that on social media. Yeah. You've got to find the thing that it's okay to own up to that is mm -hmm. still relevant. And that can be really hard with a, a therapy-based topic. Sometimes that can be hard. Yeah. But, but there is usually something in there mm -hmm. um, that you can pull out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's always like the, like if you think about your client who jokes in order to not go deeper, maybe pull like channel them, <laughs> pull something that they would say in response and ask yeah. the community that. Yeah, that's a really great tip. That's brilliant. I mean, you shared so much valuable stuff here. Um, and like I said before, I really recommend that people check out your stuff. Um, so I know you from Facebook and Instagram, so mm -hmm. I'll link those up in the show notes, but where would you say is the best place for people to come over and check you out? Um, wow. I'm all over the place. I think like a good way to see if I'd be a fit in any way is we have a free webinar to help people fill their practices. If that's just something that you're struggling with right now. And that's over at www, which is important for some reason in that address. Mm -hmm. I hate technology. Um, <laughs> abundanceparty.com slash fill F I L L. And that would be a good way to, to get some other actionable tips and see if I make sense for you, or if I'm just a little too energetic. <laughs> We love the energy. Um, yeah, so I shall link that up in the show notes um, so that people can come over and find you and see all the amazing stuff that you're doing. Thank you so awesome. much for sharing so much valuable stuff with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Before you go, I just wanted to check something out with you because I don't know if this is just me, but do you sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning worried that you've made a terrible error that's going to bring professional ruin upon you and disgrace your family. <laughs> I'm laughing now, but when I first set up in private practice, I was completely terrified that I'd miss something really big when I was setting up my insurance or data protection practices. Even now, three years in, I sometimes catch myself wondering if I've really covered all the bases properly. And it's hard, no, actually it's impossible, to think creatively and have the impact you should be having in your practice if you aren't confident that you have a secure business underneath you. But it can be really overwhelming to figure out exactly what you need to prioritise before those clients start coming in. So I've created a free checklist plus resources list to take the thinking out of it. Tick off every box and you can see your clients confident in the knowledge that you have everything in place for your security and theirs. You can download it now from psychologist.drosie.co.uk forward slash client hyphen checklist and the link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.